Well, he couldn't do it because he was one part of the worship team, but can we thank our worship team this morning? I mean, I don't speak very much so I, uh, publicly, so I fit in that category of people who'd rather die. You know, that, that, that thing, you're, you're, you're like, you fear death less than you fear public speaking. So I was somewhat nervous and I'm so glad I came down and joined the worship because it just popped. I mean, worship was so incredibly good this morning uh, to encounter the presence of God. I'm gonna pray also just because of that, that worship was so good and, and to thank God. Thank you, Lord, for coming and being a part of our worship this morning. Thank you that you inhabit our praises. Lord, we just thank you that you, and we confess that you are worth it. You are worth our time, our emotions, our brokenness, our needs. You're worth, you're worth our money, our resources, everything that we have. You are worth it. We love you. We celebrate you. Thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Start out with a little trivia, okay? You can respond. This is not rhetorical. According to scripture, who was the most humble man in the earth? The most humble man. Anybody? Moses, okay. It was, it's in Numbers, it's in Numbers 12, verse three. Now Moses was a humble man the most humble man in all the earth. Man, that was, that was really tough. So who, I, I was sure, okay, who, who wrote the book of Moses? I mean, who wrote the book of Numbers? I told you. Moses, okay. So the most humble man told everybody that he was the most humble man. All right, let's, maybe we'll do better at this one. Who was the disciple that Jesus loved? John. What gospel do we find that in? John. Oh, man. We got champions here of our faith. You know, I used to laugh about the fact that uh, the humanness of the authors of Scripture, and because and, it is, it's funny, you know. But at the same time, I wonder in this case if this is their humanness or if this is because it's two men who sat face to face with the creator of the universe. And they know their identity. And, and so they can say with confidence, Moses can say, man, I'm, I know my brokenness. I know my struggles. I know my weakness and I know my strength. <laughs> and I know that the best thing I ever did was say yes at the burning bush. I'll do it. Not without arguments, but I said yes, so I am humble. I love Papa Don, uh, if you, those of you have heard him speak, he, he's kind of a, a father figure in this community and, and spoke actually a couple months ago or a month ago here, but when I was first getting to know him, he, he said, if you see something like Jesus in me, good. I'm 92 years old. You should see something. like, I, like I, We're supposed to be coming more like him every day. I hope you do see something in me. And I just remember thinking, man, that really is humility. Calling. We're gonna talk about calling today. And um, 
I gotta say, it's a pretty ambitious topic to talk about. Uh, you know, just the word calling provokes a range of emotions. 12 years ago, when I first came to Nashville to uh, do this Caleb company at the time, now, now it's called Caleb Global Discipleship Program, one of the assignments we were given was to write a vision statement that would help us kind of with our calling. I remember thinking, I'm like 20-something years old. Like, how am I supposed to know what I'm going to do the rest of my life right now? Like, don't put me in a box, you know? What if, I, what if I miss it? What if I'm wrong? What if I write something, set it in stone, and then I deviate from it? You know, calling, even as I'm talking about this right now, there may be some of you who, some people hear that and they're like, yeah, let's talk about calling. I'm excited. We're gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna figure this out. We're gonna go conquer the world. And some people probably hear it and are like, man, super skeptical. Like, what's this guy gonna say? I've heard, maybe you've heard people use that word to justify poor behavior. Well, God called me to leave. You know, God called me, and, and you know, there's, there's tons of those stories. And then there's maybe people who are even hurt by the word because you're afraid, did I miss it? Did I miss something? Have I, have, has life passed me by or, or whatever? So let me ask you a question. If you're here or join with us online, do you believe that you are called by God? Do you believe that he has huge things for you? Good. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are called by God. Say, I am called by God. I'm glad that we heard some yeses there. So what is calling? The Greek word for calling is klesis. It translates invitation, calling, to bid forth or be called out. It's the same root of many important words in the New Testament. Uh, one word that we like, ecclesia, which is where we get the word church from means called out ones, community. So if calling is an invitation and, and it's a calling out or calling forth, what are we called to? Well, it could be lots of things, right? I mean, I was called to go to college at Abilene Christian University and after changing my major a couple of times because I was missing it, I figured out what my, that I was called to major in business and called to... I thought, date this girl, it was the wrong one. I, I was not called to date that girl, you know. I was <laughs> called up here to Nashville to join Caleb Company, called to go back to school, graduate school, marry Emily, called to start a business. There's so many things, and thank God I always discerned my calling correctly because I'd hate to see where I'd be if I made the wrong decision, right? No, the reality is, whenever I, when I was doing this, preparing for this message, I, I didn't do an, an in-depth, like, I didn't study every scripture about calling, but in the dozens that I did, I couldn't find one 
that talked about a career or something you were to do or, or make. I mean, certainly, don't get me wrong, certainly there are times that, you know, we are called to do something, that God speaks to us to do something. I'm glad he, you know, for those of you that know, I think it was Isaiah to walk around naked for a year and do something. I'm glad he's not calling people to do that anymore. But certainly are, there are times where, where we hear that, but that's not actually, none of the passages in scripture about calling that we hear have anything to do with what we do. So if calling is not about doing anything, what is it about? You know, I used to love to say the word relationship because it sounded so much more spiritual than religion. Oh, it's not, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. But I'll be honest with you, I think relationship is even a weak word for it because I have a relationship with my neighbors, you might have a relationship with your hairdresser or your barber. I don't. I, you know, relationship is super weak. I don't think that that's all that God desires of us. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. Can you all throw that up? Yep, thank you. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Did you guys catch it? What was, at the, the, the very beginning, what was he calling us to? His glory and excellence. He was calling us to his glory and excellence. The word excellence there is arete, which means, it means manliness, valor, praise, virtue. It implies to, that we, he wants us to be like him. That's the implication there. So he's calling us to his glory and to become like him. Moses says, show me your glory, Lord. Show me your glory. I love this. What Max Licato says, we cross a line when we make such a request. When our deepest desire is not the things of God or a favor from God, but, from God, but it's God himself. 
It's, it's massive. Your call is an invitation to intimacy. It's an invitation to encounter God's presence, to live and experience face-to-face community with the Lord, like Moses did, like John did, like Peter did. It's not about doing it all. It's about becoming. Your call is about who you are to become. Why does he want us to meet with him face to face? There's two reasons that we'll talk about. There may be more, I don't know. There may be, there may be lots of reasons, but I can, tell, I, can, I can think of two, and either one of these two is totally worth it. First, encountering the Lord changes you. It makes you like him, makes me like him. Bill Johnson in his book, Face to Face with God, says, when God invades a person's life, things change. Not only that, but the impact of that life on the world also changes. The measure of God's glory that rests upon us after experiencing divine encounters affects every person we touch. When his glory is present, the things that we used to work hard for, such as miracles of healing and transformation in people's personal lives and families, they come with little or no effort. That's why I love this, the worship this morning. And, and again, thank you guys so much. It was like I was feeling like I was having an encounter with the Lord and experiencing his glory. It's, it was, it's incredible. When Moses met God, with God face to face, he'd leave the tent and his face would shine so brightly that he had to put a veil over it. It kind of reminds me of Revelation 22. It says the city, talking about heaven, the city does not need the sun. For the Lord's glory gives it light. Talk about becoming like God. Moses is meeting with God face to face and encountering the creator of the universe, becoming like him, and leaves the tent so so full of glory, so changed that the community's going, hey, <laughs> can you cover yourself up, man? It's, it's too bright. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3 that if Moses could experience such glory with God about the, regarding the old law, how much more glory will we receive when we meet with the Holy Spirit? He ends the chapter with uh, verse 13 there. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. Here's a question. Do you believe it? Do you believe that you can actually encounter the Lord and be changed? And I'm not just talking about over time. Do you believe that you can you can meet with him, have an experience with him, and instantaneously never be the same. Because it's true. It's 100% true. I'll give you a quick story. When I was growing up, um, I, had, I had amazing parents. My parents loved the Lord. My mom 
was a hero in the faith. I mean, just champion. Taught us about fearing God, taught us about um, how, to, how to encounter him. I kind of, we grew up in a religious church, so it was not normal, but I didn't, I didn't know because I had an amazing mom who wasn't super religious or, or legalistic. She was more, let's experience the Lord. But I had a, uh, my dad who loved the Lord as well, could not lasso his anger. And so my brothers and I grew up in a very physically abusive home. We had to leave the home for a season and, and uh, while he could get help, and he did. He got help, thank the Lord. But in my young 20s, I hadn't learned how to deal with my anger and brokenness. And I had fits of rage. Um, my people that were closest to me hated, like they, they wouldn't challenge me. My mom wouldn't ask me twice to go take out the trash because she was afraid I was gonna jump on her. And, and, and it's true, I was, I, was, I was mean. I was a nice person until I was not. And then I was rageful and, and it, was, uh, it was extraordinarily hurtful to me because I was watching what happened with my dad, which is the people he loved the most. Everybody's scared of him, so you just kind of distance yourself. I had this need to be right all the time. Don't challenge me. If you challenge me, I'll, if I, I'll either prove that I'm right or if I'm wrong, I'll exhaust you until, <laughs> until you regret that you challenged me. And I was, there was two times in, in uh, still in college, it was actually sophomore year, I think, two times where I was like so broken about this. And so I was watching people, you know, dodge me and, that I, I went on some retreats, personal retreats by myself, like to go, and I'm just crying. I mean, literally tears coming down my face. God, please help me deal with this. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what to do. And uh, after the second one, it was about three days after it was over, and I felt like I didn't really, after the retreat, I didn't feel like I had any resolve. Um, one night I had a dream. And in that dream, the Lord encountered me. And I mean, he came to, he came and I won't go into the whole dream, um, but showed me that I had a choice about it. And I, what was crazy was like, I didn't think I had a choice. I was like, this is just, this just comes out of me. But when the Lord encounters you, (laughs) things change. And I woke up a totally different person. I didn't know how, I couldn't even explain it. I, was, I, I remember I was actually taking a shower. I was like, why am I in a happy mood? It was, the, the dream was actually me like being ugly to somebody and then the Lord encountering me and, and changing. And uh, I, I thought maybe it's because I realized that I could, I could change. <laughs> and um, all I can say is that about three days, within three days, my mom had come to me and she was like, what's gotten into you? Something's different. Something's changed. I mean, it was that fast. I hadn't told anybody. I hadn't. And today, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not that person. I'm a patient father. I'm an attentive, loving husband. So, most of the time. <laughs> Just look at her face. Make sure if I'm telling the truth or not. Um, you know, the, that need to be that constant need to be right. I've got several employees. I run a 
super small, uh, I shouldn't say several, I've got a few employees, a small real estate company, and they will tell you, they've heard me say it a million times, everybody that works for me is smarter than me. They are, they're smarter than me. I have no problem admitting or acknowledging where I am because I encountered the Lord. (laughs) And I know he loves me. That's part of it. So imagine being healed on the inside so much so that there would be nobody who could damage your heart. And I don't mean like hard, you can't hurt me. I mean like Jesus with his disciples looking at Peter going, you have my heart, I love you. You're gonna reject me, that's okay. I'm good, we'll be good. And then getting abandoned in the garden, denied three times by Peter, getting up and you know when he meets him back at the sea, I love that interaction where Jesus is like, I told you so. He didn't actually say that. Those of you who, who thought he did or have a high justice thing, it's like, yeah, like me. You know, you wanna be like, I told you so. That's my natural bent, I told you so. Jesus didn't say I told you so. He didn't even bring it up. What he does is he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. And I mean, I didn't even have this revelation until recently we heard somebody teaching at Caleb, but Peter wasn't even at the cross when Jesus died. He was so broken that he had rejected the Lord and denied him and all that stuff, he couldn't even go to the cross. So Jesus sees him and says, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. I do, I love you, Lord. And asks him three times and says, I know you love me. In fact, you're gonna follow me. And, and essentially told him, you're gonna get to follow me like you wanted to. Peter's heart, heart's desire was, I wanna follow you even to death. That's what he said. And Jesus says, you will get that honor. Imagine not fearing what happens politically or financially because in your last hangout session with the Holy Spirit, he told you, I got you. Whatever happens, I got you. We're good. It's gonna be okay. That is your calling. This is how the church was meant to be. And when you have encounters like that, the body of Jesus becomes the most powerful people in the world because the creator of the universe lives inside of you. You start changing, you start becoming like him, and and that covers all the things that we've already talked about, being loving, being patient, being kind. Guess what else it covers? Being creative, sending people to space, having the most powerful businesses or, or impacts in the world. It covers all of that. I was listening to um, Chris Valentin's book, I think, one of his books, Chris Valentin. I don't know if y'all know him, but anyway, he was, he's like, man, when you talk about like Elon, the Elon Musks and the different, the, these different like incredible creatives, like that's, Believers ought to harness the spirit and the power of God and, and, and we should be champions and, and be ta- you know, taking the spheres of society for the kingdom. And it's true, we should be. Personally, right now, let's start with just encountering him. Let's just start with getting transformation on our inside. So the second reason, so the first reason 
is you'll never be the same. It changes you. It makes you more like him. The second reason may be more important than the first, at least most of the time. is because God wants to waste his love on you. And you get to experience that when you are with him. It might sound like that was always hard for me to catch. Because it was like, oh, I want to be with you, Lord. I want to be with you so that, so that I can go change things. And I, can, and I can be a better person. And I can do all this and, and you know, whatever. But the reality, there, there was one time where somebody gave me an encouragement and, and they said, man, I just, like, I just want you to experience more of God so that you can experience his wasteful love for you. So Lindsay already made the announcement for us. Thank you, sir. Emily and I found out recently we are having triplets. Woo-woo! There was a part of us that was uh, grieved for a little bit because... Not because it's going to be hard. I mean, yeah, there was, we navigated all those. But there was part of us that were like, we got these two girls, Elisha and Goldie. And they're amazing. And there was a part of us that was like, when we're outnumbered by babies, how are we going to lavish these girls with the love that we have for them? And there were literally times where we'd wake up and we'd, Emily and I would be sitting on the couch just watching them, looking at each other and being like, we just love them so much. Like we just, you ever creep in your kid's room? This is super crazy, <laughs> but I know all of you've done it who've had kids. You ever creep in their room at night, you watch them sleep and you're just like, I just want to bite your face. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that is, I mean, come on. We do want to do that because we love them. And if I'm evil, and I know how to give good gifts to my kids. How much more does the Father in heaven want to waste his love on you? And pour it out just so you can feel it, not so you can be better, not so that you can be changed and do great things, just so that you can feel his love. He feels a thousand times more love in his heart for you than you feel for the person that you love the most. So... Are we, am I supposed to be done at 10.35? Okay, well, it's just gonna take a couple more minutes and then we'll... Back to the worship team, y'all could come up and start playing, yeah? So, calling. Talk about the roles and the doing and all that stuff. While the reality is, is no, I'm, I'm not called to be a good husband. I'm not called to be a good dad. I'm not called to run a real estate business. You're not called to whatever job you are. You are those things. You are a father. You are a mother. You are a sister. You are a, you're called to walk in an intimate relationship with Jesus, to actually have encounters, to ask him to come in and meet face to face. Not just have a quiet time, but let him invade your space. That's your call. That's your destiny. And it'll change whatever thing that you do. That, if I do my call, I am a good husband. If I do my call, I am a good dad. If I do my call, I am a good employee. I am a good business leader. If I'm walking out my call. So how do we do this? 
How do we experience God? How do we encounter him? How do we have divine encounters with his presence? There's no formula, and I know people do it differently all over the place, but I can say this. It starts with creating the space for it. It starts with pushing aside distractions. For me personally, that is in the morning. It's gonna be earlier in the morning in a few months when we have three babies. For me personally, I keep my phone on Do Not Disturb and I plug in some soaking music, which is just instrumental music. And I ask the Lord, what do you wanna say to me? What do you have for me? What are you, what are you doing? Is there anything at all that you wanna tell me? And I wait and I listen. And a lot of times I have a journal and a pen and I write down what he says. And I can tell you, when I do that, when I'm faithful to do that, I'm never disappointed. Never disappointed with the love of God. I'm never disappointed with him. But it's, it, for me, I love to read the word of God. I love to have the, and, and that's all part of it. But, it but, but when I'm trying to have an encounter with him, I usually have to just let him wash over me. So with, with music and with, imagine what he's saying to me. So I'm gonna take a couple minutes here. I'm gonna pray for us. If you can dim the lights a little bit and let the worship team just play some music. I wanna encourage us to take two minutes to just ask the Lord to come and wash over you and experience, encounter you. What does he wanna say? So Father, you're a good, good dad. You're a good father. Come Holy Spirit. Would you come and you speak to us? We want more of you. We just want you. We don't need a favor right now. We don't need revelation. We just want you. Would you come? Speak. Jesus, thank you, Lord. You're so worthy of our worship. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord now together. And I, 
I want to encourage you this week to make some time, schedule it, schedule some time to encounter the Lord. We're going to be, this is going to be a community that is changed by God and makes its mark on the nations for his kingdom because of that.